You're in the jungle, baby! Well, let me play you something. Things are not okay. Look at the adjective. Play. Now, nothing that happened here tonight even vaguely resembles professional wrestling. Oh, by the way, April Fool's. Somebody go get me a bucket. Maybe the uh, fidget. Uh, I understand. You know why? You want to know why? It's a tough job. But somebody's got to do it. Do a little dance, make a little love, and get down tonight. Let's coffee pour. I just went back to the toilet to relieve myself. Unbelievable. I can't help myself sometimes. Well, let me, in a, a humble moment, give you a capsule synopsis. synopsis. You have lost it. Lost what? Your mind. Metal Blizzard style in a little while. Yeah. Woman, I thank you very much. Hello, Nitromaniacs, and welcome to another explosive episode of the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam. I'm your host, and I would count off how many episodes we have going here on my fingers, but it would take the entire episode. This is the 51st episode of Nitromania, meaning there is now one episode for every lap in the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. One episode for every possible television channel number in the UHF band plan for American terrestrial television. And this is the official episode of Peru. Last week on the show, chaos erupted during the main event as the NWO stormed the ring, took out all four horsemen and Sting, made Lex Luger disappear, took over the commentary booth for the last 30 seconds of the broadcast, and used up a lot of spray paint. Plus... Ted DiBiase appeared, said he was the fourth, and next week there would be a fifth, and Eric Bischoff was stupid enough to think he was the fifth horseman. Dumbass. This week it is Monday, September 2nd, 1996. Happy birthday, Nitro, basically. And we are live from the UTC Arena in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Wrestling has played such a prominent role in the life of the UTC Arena, now called the McKenzie Arena, that it's even mentioned in the arena's Wikipedia article, quote, The arena hosted WCW Halloween Havoc in 1991 and the 13th WWF In Your House pay-per-view, In Your House 13 Final Four, in 1997. It also hosted Clash of the Champions 4, the first Clash of the Champions event produced by WCW. World Wrestling Entertainment continues to hold matches at the arena, unquote. That In Your House is actually the next televised wrestling event to emanate from this arena, but prior to tonight's Nitro, we were actually in this building way back in episode 28, which you may remember as opening with this little piece of business. Am I in a roll, or am I in a roll, Bobby? You're in a roll. How about it? The total package, he's never been more ready. That is a win. That is the shortest title defense win. in WCW history. You're going to call that a win? Oh, oh you bet I'll take that win, the shortest win ever in history. What am I ready? I'm picking just at the right time. That's like winning an NFL football game on a toy. What a piece of shit that episode was. Speaking of pieces of shit, the aforementioned Halloween Havoc 91, which of course had the Chamber of Horrors match. Those of you who are patrons of this fine podcast feed over at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling should by this point know all about how I felt about Halloween Havoc 91, or if you have not yet, you should soon. Uh, I am in the process of editing that episode. Anyways, when I say editing, I mean producing. You know what I meant. But... That was five years ago. Let's talk about the here and now, or I guess the there and then as it relates to this podcast. Look, you know what I meant, all right? 
Tony screams the show into existence and reminds us that it is Labor Day. He also mentions that it is Nitro's anniversary. Beat you to it, Tony. Fuck you. We go to ringside and Shivani is wearing a hideously ugly olive green shirt with some weird design on half of it. Larry is wearing a black blazer with some weird orangey red shirt underneath it, part of which might be tiger striped. I don't know. It's fucking weird. Anyways, Tony tells us that tonight the horsemen and the dungeon collide in eight man action. Sting and Lex will take on the Steiners and that he's never seen anything like what happened last week with the NWO. Larry refuses to forgive the NWO for what happened. Then we get a video of them spray painting the production truck. Then Ted DiBiase appearing. Larry suggests that the horsemen, or at least the war games team, follow the advice of Ric Flair as the leader, since Hogan is the obvious leader of the NWO. The opening match tonight is Diamond Dallas Page versus Alex Wright. Nick Patrick, or at least his evil twin, is the referee here. Larry talks about how Dallas's best plan would be to try and slow Alex Wright down as Alex hits a back wheel kick and then clotheslines Dallas out of the ring. Springboard splash back into the ring gets a two as Tony suggests that perhaps Alec is acting as a surrogate for the Guerrero family after what DDP has done to Eddie and Chavo. They tell us that DDP still has the Lord of the Ring ring despite losing to eddie at clash of the champions because after he beat the crap out of eddie post-match he just took the ring back ddp turns the tide with a huge tilt-a-whirl side slam that tony calls a side salto but instead of staying on the offensive he poses and yells something at the camera then he goes for the pin and gets a two a power bomb by ddp gets a two ddp calls for the diamond cutter but alex throws him off into the corner he hits a german but only gets a two alex is back on offense now he backs ddp into the corner and hits eight out of ten irish whip across and he does this weird step up backflip thing off of ddp so dallas cutters him and pins him for three DDP yells at Eddie in the camera as we go to replays. You know, I finally got curious enough that I went to YouTube to find the actual broadcast version of this episode. And yes, the DDP theme you hear on the network, the rock guitar riff that's vaguely reminiscent of his WCW theme, was not his WCW theme, at least not at this point. I don't know if this is a later theme of his or what, but at this point, on September 2nd, 1996, he was using the song that starts with him saying, Self High Five, and then carries into the blatant ripoff of Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. You know, this one. Self High Five. We then get Mean Gene. Pull up your socks and get ready. Alongside Nick Patrick once again. Gene says Nick was a little slow on the draw, and I completely disagree. I think he was perfectly fine in that match. Nick Patrick is a dick to Mean Gene. Patrick calls Gene a liar. Gene asks if Patrick called him a liar, and Patrick says he called him a liar. Gene then says this. I think I've just been called a liar. We go to break so we can buy WCW Monday Nitro denim shirts for just thirty nine ninety five. Backstage, Gene is now with Colonel Parker and Sister Sherry. Parker has presents. I just here. Welcome back to more WCW Monday Nitro. And, of course, we are back live right now with Sister Sherry. 
Lovely on this Labor Day evening. And Colonel Parker, now the Harlem Heat have got a title defense coming up here in just a moment or two for the WCW Tag Team. You know something, the Harlem Heat's on their own tonight. I came here wooing Twinkle Eyes tonight. You know, Twinkle Eyes, I brought you some presents here tonight. You might want to look in this first one right here. What, what, what's the occasion, you know, Colonel? I told Twinkle Eyes there I was someday going to take her to my farm. We was going to sit out on that front porch there, front porch swing, and talk over some good times. Times we're going to be having together in the future. Get it on up, did not wrap that nice thing. What is that? Oh, oh. Now, you know what that is? Got him a yeah. Like this, and oh. 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 Big, tall, step up like <laughs> I am, you know, but I'm sure she can handle him. <laughs> I know all Look about John Henry. I'll tell you what, you are going to be dressed. Uh, well, I thank you very much, the Colonel and Sister Sherry. Apparently not too concerned about what's Just going on. Speaking of that, Just let's get you up into the ring. So fucking weird. <sighs> Meanwhile, in the ring, Harlem Heat are defending the World Tag Team titles against the world-famous team, the top contendership-worthy team of... Greg the Hammer Valentine and was it Buddy? Yes, I'm being told it is Buddy Valentino. Who the fuck is Buddy Valentino? Tony also introduces the new referee, Mark Curtis, to us here. We are immediately informed why this tag title match involves Greg Valentine and Buddy Valentino as Ted DiBiase makes his way down the arena steps into ringside once again. In the ring, Greg has Booker in a chin lock. Now Larry is insisting that Ted is the fifth horseman. This is still stupid. <clears throat> An elbow by Valentine that staggers Booker to the ropes and a snap mare gets a two count. Greg tags in Buddy. Hang the fuck on. Buddy Valentino is a fat guy with bleached blonde hair. Is that... No. Okay, I'm, I'm being told that that is in fact not Playboy Buddy Rose, but I guess that he's this buddy's role model? Because, good damn, there's a resemblance. Harlem sidekick by Booker gets a two count after a pose and Tony S.'s favorite single finger tag, even though Booker had already tagged in whatever slam by booker and he picks buddy back up and tags stevie in a big sidewalk slam by stevie and he tags booker back in booker hits the harlem hangover and pins buddy to retain surprise the wcw world tag team championships this is buddy's first and last appearance on nitro there's nothing else you really need to say Gene is ringside again with Harlem Heat. They have the Nasty Boys at Fall Brawl. Stevie calls the Nasties fat and says he doesn't care who they face. They'll beat everybody. Booker starts to yell and the crowd gets loud as the Nasties run up from behind and attack them. They hit Booker with a spike pile driver in the ring, I guess to cripple him so he can't defend the titles at Fall Brawl. Seems like a dumb move to me. But anyway, Tony sends us to break. During the break, Glacier does more karate. Mike Tanay is now at ringside. Apparently, he's now a permanent commentary member. Why he did not start the show, I do not know. This is Dean Malenko versus Chris Jericho. Ooh. 
lock up and Malenko goes behind. Jericho manages to trip Dean up and Dean is upset about this. Nick Patrick is your referee here as Jericho and Malenko go hold for hold. The crowd begins to chant ECW at Jericho as he kicks Dean twice in the chest. Dean catches the third kick and takes him down with a suplex. Then a brain buster by Malenko, which gets a two count. DiBiase then gets up and leaves, accompanied by a police officer. Back to the ring, and Dean has Jericho in a head scissors. Patrick checks on Jericho while Malenko uses the rope for leverage. Jericho rolls it over and is able to stand up, and he takes Dean down with an electric chair drop. Dean then beats Jericho to his feet. Uh, makes sense. Dean knocks him back into the corner, then brings him out and butterfly suplexes him for two. We then get that abdominal stretch on the ground, which they transition into a standard abdominal stretch. He uses the ropes again, but gets hip-tossed out of it. Malenko in the corner. Jericho charges, but Dean hits an elbow. Dean hits a springboard bulldog out of the corner, and this gets a two-count. Malenko hits a crossbody that takes both men over the ropes and to the floor. They brawl Malenko on the apron. Jericho in the ring. Jericho hits the ropes and baseball slides Dean in the ankles, sending him to the floor. He charges the corner, springs up and dives on Malenko. A tombstone gets two for Malenko, then another and a third and a fourth. Two counts, that is, not tombstones. Irish whip to the corner, up and over, and Jericho Germans Dean for two. A series of counters ends in a roll-up and a pinfall victory for Chris Jericho. Jericho celebrates with the crowd as Dean yells at Nick Patrick, and Tony sends us to video for the cruiserweight title match at Fall Brawl, Rey Mysterio versus Super Calo. He then sends us to break. Hey guys, William Rinkin here from the New Blood Rising podcast. Just wanted to uh, give a little bit more background about our show here on the Questionable Endeavor Network. We are a timeline-based pro wrestling podcast, a nostalgia podcast in a lot of ways because we look at past eras of professional wrestling and try to find either either missing nuggets that we never saw before or maybe we re-examine things that we thought were once excellent that maybe aren't so much anymore and vice versa. We go through a variety of different seasons. We've gone through uh, Vince Russo era WCW. We've gone through the Invasion era of the WWF. We've watched every single ECW pay-per-view and talked about them. We've even gone through the Undertaker's streak, his streak at WrestleMania and basically all his WrestleMania matches, even beyond the streak. Spoiler alert, he lost at some point. And we talk about it. So that's who we are. We're the New Blood Rising Podcast. We're on Twitter at New Blood Pod. We're on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. Please drop us a rating and review on iTunes. And please continue to subscribe to this on the Questionable Endeavor Network, as well as many of the other fine podcasts here. This Saturday night, Steve McMichael versus John Tenta. David Taylor versus Robert Eaton. That match we mentioned last week as... Robert Eaton's last match as Earl Robert Eaton, plus Chris Jericho. Enter Brad Armstrong in his super patriotic jacket. He is taking on the giant. Good luck, Brad. Brad starts off trying to outquick the giant, and he does hit a couple of drop kicks, but then he tries punching the giant, so giant just grabs him by the head and shoves him across the ring. Brad gets a waist lock for some odd reason. This is obviously quickly broken. They again tell us that Brad Armstrong is a cruiserweight, and I, again, don't buy it. Giant sends him headfirst into the buckle, then chokes him with his boot. We then go outside for a limo, backing up slowly. Giant beals Brad across the ring, then picks him up, whips him. Brad tries to counter whatever the move was with a sunset flip, because he is an idiot. Giant picks him up by the throat, but with both hands, Kali style, and just drops him. Tony and Larry talk about how this is uncharacteristic for the Giant, that he should have used the chokeslam there. Armstrong gets a couple more offensive maneuvers in, but then gets chokeslammed and pinned. We get replays, we're reminded of the limousine, we're shown the limousine, and we go to break. 
we come back to an NWO announcement. This one appears to just be Hogan. My highlight here is Hogan saying that they're taking over the world, which he signifies by kicking an inflatable globe that was on the floor. This kick goes directly into the camera and bounces straight back at Hogan. Hogan basically promises to destroy Sting, Luger, Flair, and Arn. He also spray paints NWOHH on the backdrop they're projecting the images on, and I cannot imagine that the production team was happy about that. Back to the arena for hour number two, needless pyro to the desk, and there's Tanae again. Bischoff is wearing the blue denim nitro shirt that you can buy for just $39.95, plus shipping. Eric takes us back again to the spray painting of the trailer and Ted DiBiase appearing. Literally the same two clips they showed at the beginning of the show. We then go to the end of last week and the brawl with the spray painting and the power bombing and the spray painting and the vanishing Lex Luger and the caking over of commentary at the very end. Thankfully, they managed to get the spray paint off of the Nitro logo on the front of the desk. They recap that they still don't know whose side DiBiase is on. Fuck, really? And then we go to the next match. Enter Ron Studd. Ron is taking on the Macho Man. Tanae tells us that Ron Studd is named Studd because he was trained by Big John Studd, and they formed such a kinship that Ron took John's name in his honor. And now we know why John Studd is dead. They lock up, and Ron shoves Randy across the ring. He clubs him in the back with his forearm a few times, then a choke lift, Kali style, familiar, and he throws him down. He throws Randy into the corner, and we see the Outsiders and Hogan get out of the limo. We're about to see who else is in the limo, but Hogan realizes that there's a camera there and stops them. Back in the ring, Ron has Randy up on his shoulders, and Randerson repeatedly stops him from throwing Randy into the crowd. Stud argues with Randerson while Randy recovers, and Randy dumps Ron out of the ring, following, uh, following that with a double axe handle from the top. Back into the ring and a body slam by Savage. Savage goes up top, hits the elbow, and pins Ron for three. Gene is in the ring with Randy. This should be entertaining. Randy says he wishes Halloween Havoc were tonight because he's going to destroy Hollywood Hogan. Gene goes back to Macho's mental state. Macho says he's living on the edge and then states he and the Giant made a deal. Giant couldn't hold up his end of the deal, so Macho's in charge now, and he guarantees victory against the Giant and against Hogan over the next two months. Gene sends us back to the desk despite the fact that we're going to break, so Bischoff sends us to break. I'm pro wrestler the Kingpin Brian Malonis. And I'm referee Mike Crockett from the wrestling podcast about nothing. I spent most of my weekends half naked in front of throngs of people at VFW halls and Elks Lodges. And I've watched. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Every week, listen to us tear down the curtain and tear down each other in the process. It's the WPAN. Nothing more, nothing less. New episodes Mondays on your favorite podcast app or on our website, thewpan.com. We come back for more tag action. The Steiners versus Sting and Luger. Sting and Lex. Wow! are surprised by their own pyro. Nick Patrick is your referee, so this should be fun. Meanwhile, the horsemen charge the limo, but it's now empty. Then we go to another break. War Games Fall Brawl ad brings us back as the bell rings to start the match. Lex starts with Rick. They lock up and nothing happens. They lock up again and nothing happens. Rick ends up pushing out of the lockup and Lex bumps into Nick Patrick, so Nick Patrick disqualifies Lex Luger and Sting. The crowd, rightfully, boos the shit out of this decision. He is yelled at by all four men and then chased to the back by Sting and Luger. Thank God that happened. Besides, wouldn't Rick be the one who gets disqualified for shoving Luger into Patrick? Whatever. 
Anyway, back from break for the dungeon. It is main event time. The Taskmaster in an ugly t-shirt, Bubba in a horrible jacket, and the Faces of Fear versus the Four Horsemen. Randerson calls for the bell while the Horsemen's theme is still playing and there are at least eight people in the ring. Eric tells us there's some confusion going on backstage, but can't tell us what that confusion is. Mongo starts with Kevin Sullivan and almost immediately botches a top rope maneuver. Sullivan tags in Bubba, who immediately has a seizure. The more people that are involved in a match, the harder it is to recap, but that's all right. Benoit ends up in the ring with the Barbarian. He Germans Barbarian then goes up top, but Sullivan tries to knock him down, so they basically do the spot again, and Benoit hits the headbutt, but the, ta- the pin is broken up by Meng. Flair tags in, and we go backstage, where Luger and Sting are still chasing Nick Patrick. That's a long fucking chase. They end up at the NWO's limo. Patrick gets away, but we see DiBiase get into the limo. Sting throws something, a brick or a rock, through the rear window of the limo, but it drives off anyways. So Sting and Luger, and I want to make sure you hear this part clearly, Sting and Luger steal a cop car and give chase. Now, this is 13 months before the release of the first Grand Theft Auto game, so you can't blame Rockstar for this one, all right? Meanwhile, back in the ring, Flair is fighting with Meng. Flair is chopping Meng. Meng doesn't sell shit and overhand chops Flair with every chop from Flair. Flair kicks Meng and Anderson in the balls. Anderson? I don't think that's right. Possibly Sullivan. Anyways, and we go back outside to where the police officer is on his radio calling in the theft of his cop car. Sting stole a cop car. Back in the ring, Anderson tries to pin Meng, but the referee is distracted. Barbarian comes in and slams Anderson, then an elbow drop, then he puts Anderson in the tree of woe, so so Sullivan can hit that charging knee. Again, I typed Anderson instead of Sullivan. Then Big Bubba comes in and beats up Arn. Meng comes in, and Anderson desperately needs to tag out here. We go to break as Flair interferes from the outside. Glacier does karate. Back from break, Anderson is still in the ring, but he gets the hot tag to Benoit. Then it just breaks down as Sullivan and Benoit just beat the shit out of each other. We get back to one-on-one Benoit and Meng. Meng beats on Benoit and tags in Barbarian, who powerbombs Benoit and gets two, but Anderson breaks it up. Spinebuster by Big Bubba on Benoit, and Flair comes in and just punches him in the face a lot. Anderson then comes in and dumps, I did it again, Sullivan then comes in and dumps Benoit over the top to the floor. Chaos again as the faces of fear beat up Benoit outside until Flair runs over and grabs a plastic chair to ward them off. Jimmy Hart is outside the ring screaming despite his team being firmly on the offensive. Benoit is just getting beaten up by all four men on the other side. Anderson hits a spine buster on Big Bubba, but Benoit still can't make the tag. Bubba grabs him by the leg to stop that and tags out by reaching his foot towards his team so someone can tag it. That's smart. Benoit manages to avoid the double top rope maneuver from the faces of fear and tags in Flair, who cleans house. Flair locks Sullivan in the figure four as everyone else hits the floor. Benoit yells at woman, apparently because she wasn't helping Flair, so she reaches into the ring to pull on Flair's arms, which causes Sullivan's shoulders to be counted down for three. Your winners are the four horsemen, and then the outsiders appear to take advantage of the chaos. Hall beats up Flair, then Anderson. Hogan beats up Flair. Nash is beating up the Barbarian in the ring. Heenan, as he did last week, immediately bails from commentary. The three NWO members are in the ring and just beating up anyone they can get their hands on. The Giant comes out to the delight of Eric Bischoff. He gets in the ring, and he chokeslams the Barbarian. Then he chokeslams Meng, and suddenly him taking the pinfall after that weak-ass belt shot at Hogwild makes a tiny bit more sense. 
Hogan gets out the spray paint as Giant high-fives everyone, and then Macho Man appears with a chair. He waffles the Giant, waffles Scott Hall, waffles Kevin Nash, and then stares down the Hulkster. Hogan ducks the chair shot and gets a takedown, which allows the rest to recover and just beat the crap out of Macho Man. Hogan hits Macho with the chair a few times and then tells the Giant to choke slam him. We get a leg drop for Savage, and another, and a third. Nash knocks Arn, Flair, and Mongo off the apron, preventing them from helping Macho. Hogan sprays something on Macho's chest. It could have been NWO, but it didn't look like it. They roll Macho over, and Hogan digs in his trunks for an uncomfortable amount of time to bring out a can of yellow spray paint, and they literally paint a yellow streak down Macho's spine. Then they take over commentary again, and Bischoff and Tanae bail. Hogan screams that there is now no question who is the most powerful man in professional wrestling. He calls out Ted DiBiase and says, now there's not four, there's not five. And then he begins to laugh as he counts higher on his fingers. He sends it to the giant and gives his headset to Hall. Giant got a call from Ted DiBiase to do business. Giant went to DiBiase's house, and then he spends a good five minutes describing DiBiase's house as Hogan rips the Nitro logo off the front of the desk and they all spit on it. Sadly, we do not get to hear the point of Giant's story as the horsemen and the dungeon swarm commentary. They are fended off legit three men. Giant never left commentary. Just fended off eight And the giant goes back to talking about Ted DiBiase's house. I swear to God. Hogan wraps it up while Giant still tries to get this promo out. Hogan and Giant flip the desk over, and I swear to Christ, go back and watch this on the network. Giant is still trying to talk about Ted DiBiase's house. Once the table is flipped, however, he no longer has a headset, so he is forced to leave. We get a shot of the NWO looking out at the crowd and then a shot of some of the wrestlers helping Macho to the back, then a crane shot of the desk and the copyright notice. And I can't help but notice on the last thing here, there is a URL, wcwwrestling.com, wcwwrestling.com. So their web address is worldchampionshipwrestlingwrestling.com. Well done, Ted. Well done. Vince got WWF.com, so suck on that. One other thing of note, tonight is the debut of the iconic NWO t-shirt, black with the white logo and nothing else. Not the stupid Terminator rip-off shirts from the last few weeks, just the white logo on the black shirt. Cool to see where that came from. Can I tell you guys something? From top to bottom, minus that tag title match and the other tag match that wasn't a match but an excuse for Sting and Luger to get outside to steal a cop car... This was a great show. Even the Giant versus Brad Armstrong wasn't terrible, and I wasn't expecting much from that at all. Savage versus Stud is forgettable, and therefore doesn't factor into my score that much. If you go back and watch anything here, I would absolutely, and I think obviously, say Dean Malenko versus Chris Jericho. Some real good stuff there. And then fast forward to the last, say, 15, 20 minutes or so, and enjoy the Giant desperately trying to talk about Ted DiBiase's house. I do have a question, though. If the giant is the fourth man, who is in the limo? Because we'd already seen the giant at that point. The giant had already fought Brad Armstrong at that point. So who is in the limo? Maybe we'll find out next week. Over on Cage Match, this episode has a respectable 6.85 out of 10 and pulled in an absolutely massive 4.3 TV rating that will be explained in just a moment. Before we get to Raw, some more business to attend to. This one is so straightforward. 
that I did it before the show even started because there's no way in hell anyone is going to argue with me on this. This episode of Nitro is the last appearance of Big Ron Stud on the Nitromania podcast, and so I threw him in the garbage out back. The former Yeti makes one more appearance as Big Ron on Saturday night. He was 0 for 3 in WCW with this gimmick. He's raftersworthy as the Yeti just for the sheer ridiculousness and awfulness of the Yeti gimmick, but old Big Ron, he ain't getting shit, dude. Now, over to the USA Network, but not on September 2nd, friends. Oh, no, no, it is September 6th, thanks to tennis, and it is episode 174 of Monday Night Raw. It is Raw Championship Friday. See what I said above about the massive rating? Here we are. We are three and a half weeks old from Wheeling, West Virginia. Why did Vince ever think that taping an entire month of Raw at once was a good idea other than because of the money? Anyway, we get a fantastic opening vignette about Shawn Michaels and Goldust. They fight for the WWF Championship in your main event tonight. But first, Hunter Hearst Helmsley loses to Psycho Sid in the first round of the Intercontinental Title Tournament. I fucking loved Psycho Sid back in the day, man. Mr. Perfect then steals Hunter's escort. We get an update on Ahmed Johnson. JR promises the most shocking announcement in professional wrestling history. Then Brian Pillman joins commentary. Mike Kyoto then disqualifies Stone Cold Steve Austin, allowing Mark Amaro to move on to the second round of the Intercontinental title tournament. They, uh... They continue to brawl. Your foot action slam of the week is Sid powerbombing Hunter from 15 minutes ago. Literally. Jerry Lawler interviews Mark Henry. Mark is sweating profusely despite not doing anything. Also, we get a clip of Mark Henry and Vader from two weeks ago, and for some reason, Mark Henry is wearing the same clothes. Gross. Mankind defeats Alex the Pug Porto, as JR tells us that Big Daddy Cool Diesel and the bad guy Razor Ramon are on their way back to the World Wrestling Federation. Sid lost a tug-of-war to an elephant at the Special Olympics. I'm not making a joke there. It was an actual elephant. I just want to throw that out there and clear that up immediately. Uh, and the WWF had a great time at a block party in Toronto. Then Bob Backlund introduces the Iron Sheik, who gets cut off by commercial break because he won't shut up. And in your main event, Shawn Michaels pins Goldust to retain the WWF title. Mankind runs out to attack after the match, but Shawn Michaels avoids any damage. This episode of Raw has a 4.22 out of 10 on Cage Match and pulled in a 3.4 TV rating. Elsewhere on September 2nd, it was Tracy Smothers, who was performing as Freddie Joe Floyd in the WWF at this point. It was his 34th birthday. And Lennox Lewis, who accompanied the British Bulldog to the ring at SummerSlam 92, check out the most recent episode of the Three-Way Theater podcast, turned 31. It was the 11th anniversary of the death of Jay Youngblood. Meanwhile, September 6th, 1996, marked the Barbarian's 38th birthday, Wendy Richter's 35th birthday, Loki's 17th birthday, Jillian Hall's 16th birthday, and Braun Strowman's 13th birthday. And it was the 8th anniversary of the death of Leroy Brown. That wraps up 1996. Let us bring it back to the present here. If you want to get in touch with me, you certainly can. I welcome your feedback about the show, positive and negative, and I am always open to suggestions on how to improve. We are approaching Fall Brawl, and so I would also love to hear who you guys would like to see as a guest host on the show. I do have a guest host booked for Fall Brawl, of course, but for future pay-per-view episodes, you can email me, nitromaniapod at gmail.com, or tweet me at nitromaniapod on Twitter. 
If you want to see me live and in person, you can absolutely do that as well. Come on out to Liberty States Wrestling this Saturday, the 15th, at the John McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts. And then next Saturday, the 22nd, Elkmania Promotions presents Aces Wild at the Beverly Salem Lodge of Elks in Beverly, Mass. And that is it for me in September. Uh, check out all the shows here on the Rundown feed, and if you like what you hear, consider making a donation. One-time donations can be made at paypal.me slash rundownwrestling or become a monthly donor at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. If you haven't seen or heard by now, I either recently debuted or I'm about to debut a new patron-only series. It is called The Crapshoot, where a guest and I watch events that are famously bad for one reason or another, be it a specifically horrible match, like in our debut episode, as I mentioned earlier, Halloween Havoc 91, or a terrible gimmick that appears on the show. Anything like that is rife for the recapping on The Crapshoot. The first episode features myself and longtime friend of the show, former co-host of The Rundown, multiple-time guest host of Nitromania, Andy, covering Halloween Havoc 1991 featuring the infamous chamber of horrors match again this is a patreon exclusive series so if you want to listen you'll have to sign up over at patreon.com slash rundown wrestling you can become a patron over there for as little as five dollars a month and as i mentioned every week all of your donations go directly back into the show and we do appreciate it greatly from the bottom of our hearts for more podcasting fun, visit questendnetwork.com along with articles and whatnot over there. I'm sure you'll find something interesting. And I just realized that next week is the go-home episode for Fall Brawl. So I will tell you next week who will be joining me for our Grand War Games Supersode. Uh, that is next time, though. But in, So until then, my friends, I will talk to you next time. That was very awkward but I will still do that right here on Nitromania. <laughs> <laughs>